Hey, it's Sean Fennessy, host of The Big Picture. Did you just see the latest tentpole blockbuster? Or a surprisingly fun new movie on a streaming service? Or maybe you just want to bone up on the greatest films ever made? From reviews to rankings, career retrospectives to movie drafts, and everything in between, The Big Picture is here for you. Listen to The Big Picture for free on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Jason Bateman's here. Um, I don't know how this has never happened before. We've circled it. This sounds like, this sounds like um, pillow talk. Uh, at the end of a really <laughs> a great first, first date, yeah. How come we've never slept together before? I don't know. Why didn't we ever do this? I really enjoyed dinner. Yeah. yeah. I feel like you've been in my life my whole life. Maybe that's another reason. N- now you're giving me an erection. Well, this <laughs> <laughs> Let's drop the bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we've run into each other a few times in the in the uh, Kimmel circles. Yeah, I've always you're seen so, you You're somehow in, in the Kimmel universe. Yeah, how did that happen? I don't know. Um, I don't know how that happened to you. How did it happen for you? He hired me. Mine yes. was much more organic. He literally hired me from Boston to write for his TV show in you, 2002. I, w- I was the first writer he hired other than Cousin Sal. On the, on the Jimmy Kimmel? On the, yeah. on the, I the moved out here show. to help launch his show with him. No way. Yeah. So I worked for him for uh, 18 months and became an honorary member of the circle. How was the exit? Was it smooth? Was it amicable? It was sad. Because I really, I wanted to write a column. And I, they hired me away from the calm, and I just, at some point, that show is, like, all-encompassing, and you can't kind of juggle it. Yeah, right. You can't slow down at all on that. No. You've got to stay ahead. Uh, you got to be intuitive uh, on all the issues, right? And you're just in. You're there You're there in the editing bay till 10 o'clock working on some bit or something. So, anyway, I, I finally asked back. him the, the other day. I said, I said— What's your day? What, what did you do today? Like, how does it how does it work over there? Yeah, and he kind of walked me through some stuff. The the part that was really interesting to me is that the writers come in at like six in the morning and basically have have a lot of the show written by I don't know nine six or in the two. morning. He might well, have lied about that. Well, I, well, he was looking <laughs> he was looking at stuff at nine. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah true. So stuff and stuff that ha- that couldn't be written before. Yep. six in the morning because you you want to be as current as possible. So you have to wait until the entire news day is over. Yeah, you know, yesterday, and then write all the stuff. Well, for then tonight. that news day is faster and faster. 
Right. When yeah. I was there, it was crazy because like we didn't even have YouTube yet. So if there's some video we wanted, we would have to go on like some weird internet server and search for the video. And we had this this person's whole job was to do that. And were tapes still around back then? Were you putting a lot in of tapes. VHS tapes? Oh yeah, all that DVD. Three quarter inch was some gone. DVDs. Right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> people would hustle over DVDs for him to watch. So at some point I ended up I went I I was in his office because mm-hmm. he needed somebody in his office because so much was going on. So I became the writer that hung out in his office all day, and these people would hustle over DVDs. Now they must send him the, like the links. I'm guessing. Did you become chief of staff? No, no. Were, I, you, were you the one they had to talk to to get to him? No, it, it was a little. And Molly came in and said, "Listen, no, Molly listen, was guy. Molly was an intern when I was there, was or not, like? or an assistant. Yeah, yeah, she was uh, Daniel, the EP's assistant initially." Really? And she was one of those you could always tell something was going something good was going to happen with her. <laughs> she had definitely a lot of like charisma. She was the one but most yeah. likely to have the conversation about how come we've never done this before. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. see the way she, you brought it all the way back. Yeah, she, so. yeah that was nice. That first year was crazy though because we he didn't know what the show was and neither did any of us. And then you kind of you know figure it out over the. It's course always of been time. a fantasy of mine. I've I've I've, I've tried to respectfully imply. That I would like to do that, right? Without, 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 without implying that it's easy, right? Because yeah. it's clearly not. But he certainly makes it look easy, and the 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 routine and the rhythm of it seems somewhat simple. In that it is, it can only be as good as that day, and it's just just like a baseball game or or or, or basketball game. Uh, you know, there's another one tomorrow. Um, and, and it's only an hour long. It's finite. By the way, that's the perfect analogy. It's, it's major league baseball. Yeah. You're, yeah, you you're get, going every day. Oh, I went over yeah. for four today. Oh, I went four for four today. Right. And you just kind of ride the wave of the season. Yeah. You can hit that reset every time. And you're constantly talking to people that are at least mildly interesting, even if they're outside of your, your interest circle, they're, they're certainly current or relevant, I guess, by virtue of them being on the show. Right. That's you could have, you could have done that in another life. I, I don't know. I mean, I I I I, th- I think I would still like to. There's something that I love about routine, um, and I don't know. I, I like what I'm doing right now, and I, I think it's going to be a long time before I become bored of what I'm doing now. And 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 does does that age make me too old then to start that? Because what I'm going to be 50 in January. I'd like to. I don't know. There's not enough old white guys on TV. I don't know. That's true. That's a great point. I have to rethink that. That's a great point. That age bracket is not represented at all. There's an opening over at PBS (laughs) for a little chat show. (laughs) God, I used to be hooked to Charlie Rose. I watch that show every single night. I do miss those conversations. He always brought people in from like all different corners that you're not – you're predisposed to be interested in. But he took a layman's approach to it and asked all the questions to kind of get you into that subject. Um, I really – I do miss that show. It's a hard place to get to. We've been for – like we've had great guests on the last few years and, you know, you want to get to a point with guests where they come and they at least respect what the show is. Yeah. And you can feel there's the first couple. Well, you years have I've that met, with this, don't you? I mean, I, I certainly I, we know, got I mean, to it eventually. Yeah, I know nothing about podcasts, but I know of this one. Yeah, yeah, is, yeah. we is, got there eventually. But the first couple of years, it was a lot of like, so we're gonna talk in these mics, and then so people are gonna hear this, and right. just people being confused generally. Yeah, and then you know, I think Howard Stern's the best example of it, though, where people go on that. You've been on that, yeah. 
And you know, you know, he's going to add, you know, these are the three most uncomfortable things that anyone could ask me. And he's going to ask all three things. And you're a willing participant. Well, because the way and the because the way in which he asks, he's I'm I know he's got some acting skills, but he's not that good whereby he can convincingly fake the level of enthusiasm and sincerity that he does seem to have. Yeah. And curiosity about those particular three tough subjects for you, he'll sit there and just like, I mean, tell me about that, right? That's weird, isn't it? You know, and he'll kind of get goofy with you and you kind of want to fill him in on it like like your buddy would sit across from you and act because that's the way your buddy would ask. Like, is that tough what you're going through with such and such? Or like, you dated her? What was she like? Right, yeah, and you do forget about the microphone, which which can be dangerous. Like, he'll just go, he'll go everything. (laughs) She was hot, right? Um. Well, when I saw you, I saw you maybe two plus years ago at Kimmel's show for one of the Super Bowl things, and you were telling me how you were talking to Netflix, mm-hmm. and you're like, I have this idea for this show. It's in South America. You you like laid out like what this was, and you were like, and I think they're going to pay me to do it. Was, and, was and, this, was I talking about Ozark? Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, I think they're going to pay me to just create it and do it. And <laughs> it's like 10 episodes. And I'm like, Really? Well, and you're like, yeah, I think it's going to happen. Then I, so I'm going to have to go away and do this show. And, and I was like, wow. And I remember walking away thinking like, sounds like that's 50-50. That never happens. <laughs> and then it actually well, happened. I got it I must have been high on some of uh, Jimmy's incredible food over there to say South, Af- South America. <laughs> Whatever you and, say. And I forget what it, country but, you said. Well, well, it was, I mean, it was always going to be, you know, it's in the title there, the Lake of the Ozarks, this 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 creepy place. Um or we, we we focus on a creepy section of it, um, and and I certainly didn't create it. This guy named Bill Dubuque did, who spent a lot of his youth there. Listen, but, I want to remember the yeah, story the way I, I remember it now. I want to rewrite your. This your is what I remembered. It, yeah, it was uh, <laughs> all you. The, the thing that you took away from it was like this guy's talking about some crazy crap that's maybe going to happen, probably not. What a dreamer. Well, there it seemed like it seemed insane that they were just going to fund the entire first season. It seemed super ambitious. But you seem super passionate about it. And I always feel like if somebody's that all in on an idea and they're talented, I'm going to at least you know, there keep is, my guard down. Right. Well, if, 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 uh, if stuff that is highly ambitious um, can live, it can live at, at Netflix. They are, yeah. they are, they're certainly supportive with, with, uh, with people who have some, some ambition and drive and clarity and a plan. And that's, that's, that's pretty cool. And it, it, it does end up being the main fuel of execution I find in this business. I don't know if you found the same thing, but oftentimes it really just takes some of that stick to right? That, um, because there are a lot of people with a lot of ideas. I mean, it's a cliche that everybody's got a script, right? But it's, it's true. It's those that actually say, no, 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 I got this. Just trust me. I need X amount of dollars, and I'm going to deliver you something you are going to be really, really proud of. Just trust me. And then, you know, you've got to fill out the rest of the pitch meeting with some specifics and some some interesting, you know, comparative um, projects, right, that they can kind of um, label uh, this this with. But beyond that, you just got to end up having the, enough gas in your tank to go out and do it. And that ends up being a lot of what it takes, I think. Well— so there's a couple of different models, but one of them is you need the quote unquote bankable star and you need the creator. Yes those and two no. I mean, and those two are good. 
You have a good chance, at least. It, it can certainly help, but but uh, again, that I mean, you know, look look at what you do. I mean, you're you you have a great deal of success in a lot of different areas, and it takes a lot of work, right? I mean, you're you're up early, you're go to bed late. I'm sure you're you've got some sort of vision and plan, and you're you're encouraging people uh, to kind of uh, accompany you on that. And I mean, that's that's it takes somebody with with some drive like that, um, without you know being obnoxious with it. Um, but you know, you gotta you gotta kind of want it and convince people that you're you're not going to clank it. Was there a moment with Ozark when you thought? Then I might clank it. Fuck this! This is hard. This, uh, I don't know if we're um, going to be able to get to ten episodes here. Well, uh, there was, you know, the original plan was was to direct all ten, and I knew that was going to be a big mountain Jesus. to climb, and that that, but that was what drew me to it. That we, yeah. you know, we weren't looking for a show; we were looking for a bigger film to direct because I'd done these two festival movies as a director. Maybe that's what you told me that you were directing it, not, yeah, not creating it. Yeah, I mean, but there whatever. there have been directors that 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 do all episodes. Um, uh, yeah, Carrie yeah, Fukunaga did all of the uh, the True Detectives. Um, it was it was eight episodes, which is which is not completely insignificant. But and then he ended up in the hospital. And then, <laughs> no, no. Um, <laughs> but he, uh, I talked to him about. It. He said, "Yeah, we only had time to prep five of them, and then we did the other three on the weekends and after work." And he said, "Just don't do it. You know, it's, <laughs> it's a nightmare." <laughs> uh, he's since gone on and done it again. So he's yeah. he's he's a he's a real stud, but. Um, uh, we ended up not being able to create enough time to pre- to to prep them all to do pre production for them all um, because since I'm acting in them I, they have to all be done beforehand and it was a bunch of that kind of stuff that that I I saw as sort of um, nothing we we couldn't overcome those obstacles and that that those were sort of heartbreaking moments and then I ended up just having to um, create enough time to to do the first two and the last two and hire the people to do the ones in the middle. So going backwards. Was Silver Spoons was first? Uh, Little House in the Prairie was first. Uh, I would never was never in on that one. It's you too should, wholesome for me. You should check it I out. I was watching all There's the very... good times in Jefferson's and different strokes. <laughs> Little House was too, yeah. too pure for me. I, too I, pure for nine-year-old me. There's got to be some sort of dark theme that runs throughout Little House well, that no one's was. ever seen. Probably you could go back and watch it and right. like every scene is dark. It's like playing way. records backwards. It's like, <laughs> I can't believe they buried that. <laughs> the way Michael Landon looked at her. <laughs> uh, but yeah. I remember Silver Spoons first. Mm-hmm. Silver Spoons, I mean, we're the same age. Back then, we only had a couple channels. So you saw every show. Yeah, and it was on Saturday night. So yeah. it was like, you know, we weren't going out. We were 12. Yeah, yeah, we've seen that one, and actually a really interesting theme for a show, which was oh, this uh, kid's just super rich. Yeah, well, the, well, the the dad was super rich and and had uh, some, uh, pardon the term, arrested development, and here comes this this son who's who's uh, pretty precocious and and uh, becomes sort of the dad's dad, right? And you played the buddy. I played the asshole friend. Yeah, the, the which led to. The greatest show that's ever been on in the eighties. It's your move. It's your move. Yeah, well, I don't. The all time. I don't know if it holds up. No, yeah, you should, it's still do, classic. I've, it's another thing. I, I'm going to remember it the way I want to okay. remember it. <laughs> I like the way you go through life. Uh, <laughs> Thank no you. rear. Do you yeah. take the rearview mirror off your car? Yeah, good for you. I don't want to look back. Um, I'm looking forward. Yeah, it's your move. Was a lot of fun. That only lasted a year because NBC was getting notes from parents around the country that kids were doing the scams that my character was doing. And so can we explain what that show is about? Because I. 
most of the audience that I probably have doesn't know what that show was. It's on yeah. YouTube. It's, it's kind real, of unbelievable that it happened. It's about this sort of this scheming kid that lives in an apartment building, and he's got some kind of uh, dupe that that lives next door who's dating his mother, and so who he, he hates, who he hates, yeah, because he's sleeping with his mom. Yeah, um, and so he does everything he can uh, to sabotage this this poor guy's life, uh, as well as trying to. You know, make as much money at school as possible by you know cheating on tests and you know getting answers for the other students. And he's, he's like a wheeler dealer. Um, it's and th- literally that's the show. That was what the show yeah. was. Every episode you would torture this poor guy who was dating your mom. Right. It was great. Yeah. Um, I loved it. Yeah. It was. It was pretty. It was fun while it lasted. But um, when did you officially become a child actor? Did you know that was happening, or because your sister was on Family Ties? Yeah, she was doing. Let's see. I think. I think maybe as I was going into It's Your Move, I think Family Family Ties started. Um, so she, now you were you both guns we're, blazing. We're both doing – well, her gun was blazing pretty hot. Well, Family Ties was a huge, huge hit. It was hit. a monster. Yeah. Um, it was kind of the lost monster show of the 80s that doesn't get met when people are always like, cheers, Cosby. It was on Family that, Ties was, was on like right night. there. I think it followed yeah. Cosby. I think it was on at 8. Cosby was on at 8. It's incredible hour. Family Ties was 8.30. Nine, I think, was was it like Night Court or something? And then Cheers? Something like that. I always thought, yeah, it was something. There was always one show that didn't totally belong. It was like the powerhouse lineup that had the one 220 hitter. Right. Crammed in there. <laughs> but dad, the how, right did you end up, how did you both end up going into it, though? Um, my dad. You grew up here? Yeah, uh, since I was seven. Yeah. We moved here in, in 76. And my dad was a writer, director, producer. And uh, so he, the thing that he did with me on the weekends as opposed to going to the park to throw the ball was to take me to, like, the local art house and show me these, you know, movies with subtitles and, and show me. Oh, really? the, Yeah. I mean, it, it drove me nuts. But uh, eventually I succumbed to it. And um, he would say, you know, this is this is what directing is and this is good directing, bad directing, good acting, bad acting and kind of why and – so when I got an opportunity to to follow a um, a neighbor to uh, to an audition, um, I I jumped at it because that's what Dad liked, you know. Yeah. So just you know, you try to impress Dad by working on your you know your jump shot or your pitching or whatever. But in this case, it was acting. Were you living in California at this point? Yeah, we're out in uh, San Fernando Valley in Woodland Hills. Yeah. So um, then, Family Ties takes off, and you have your own show. How old? And you're like 13. I am 12, 13. Yeah, like 13 right around then. Yeah. And uh, so Justine and I had this pretty interesting atypical childhood where we would spend, uh, what was it, like September to February on the set working and then from February to June back at our school. So really? that was always a really kind of uncomfortable transition, you know. It was like I like get the crap beat out of me when I go back to school. Like you know, here seriously, come, yeah, here comes this dickhead that's on TV yeah, and fuck this guy. Yeah, he's he's like, oh, well, what are those girls doing talking to him? You know, and they they weren't like trying to hit on me. You oh, know, they were on. just like curious. But the you know the studs were like, well, the, you know, he's mowing our lawn. Let's kick his ass. Yeah. Um and. uh and so that was, you know, junior high's hard enough. That was that that made That's it tougher. Um, but you know, I, it was up to me to sort of let him know that maybe I'm not that bad a guy. I guess I don't know. I guess that's what we all try to do at school. That's when the sense of humor really ratchets up. Exactly. Like, this is my my. Yeah. I'm gonna make all these people laugh. Yeah, as you're getting kicked in the ass. But guys, I could, but have you heard this one? <laughs> I've got a great Tommy Lasorda impersonation. Mm. Jesus. Um, when did you stop going to school? 
Um, I I stopped at the end of 12th grade and actually didn't even get my diploma. I was doing um, wow. your favorite film, Teen Wolf 2. Yeah. Um, I don't know if your listeners know what an incredible fan you are of Teen Wolf 2. Um, and the, the script, Bill gave me the script as I came in here today for Teen Wolf 3 and 3D, which, you know, it's, it's inappropriate. What would Teen Wolf 3? I was upset MTV did the re brought back the Teen Wolf and made it a totally different thing. I had I had a half a second of like, hey, what what what? Come and, on. Where's my then, cut? Right. Um but then then I saw, oh no way, no, this is the cool version. Because yeah. it kinda kinda looked kinda good. Man, I guess so and, the, the the two Teen Wolves are very eighties ish. But oh. all those movies from the eighties. Yeah, mo- I don't know what terrible. the cutoff is for things not feeling dated anymore, but it's somewhere in like mid nineties ish. I think you're now, right. It feels it was like. music too. Yeah. Oh, same thing. Yeah. So I'm doing Teen Wolf two, and um, we we shot it, uh, you know, like in the last quarter of of the school year, and I was doing such hours on that that I didn't have time to take two of my four finals. So the high school never gave me my diploma, and I still I don't have it to this day. Wow. Mm-hmm. Teen Wolf two. It, it cost me a lot. High school education overrated. Turned yeah. out fine for you. I just start watching Charlie Rose, and I'm all caught up. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. And you're a big sports fan too back then, right? I when was, did the Dodgers thing kick off for you? The Dodgers thing kicked off for me when I watched the Ken Burns documentary on baseball. I was I before that I followed every sport quite a bit. Yeah. And then I saw that documentary and basically just started following baseball almost exclusively, but now I follow I follow every sport a a a, a bit, you know, mostly around playoffs, you know, I'll, I'll tune in on on uh, on basketball and football, I'm still sort of you know a, a cursory you know owner and a fantasy you know team. Yeah. But uh, I let the computer pick that that squad. You you're know, in with, the celebrity baseball. Like I'm I'm the commissioner. You know in that yeah. fantasy league. Like I'm not fucking around. You're in the celebrity Dodger fan kind of vortex. I I, I don't I don't know about that. I mean, how many I, do you go to a year? I go to twenty ish a year. You I used see, to that's to, a lot. I used to go to every single home game. And then I had Amazing. kids, and it yeah. just wasn't a good look anymore. So I, I, I said to the season tickets guys, I said, if I spent the same amount of money but only went to twenty games, where could I sit? And we, we went, we went down low. I think that would be a good TV show. It would just be called dot dot dot. And then I had kids, <laughs> but whatever happens before that is so much more fun than the. And then I had kids. I'm seeing a lot and of then skin. I had kids. There's a lot of skin in that show. <laughs> That's not a broadcast network, Bill. People going off the rails. Uh-huh. The I, see, thing, I see rails in it, too. Yeah, there's real rails, <laughs> fake rails. I uh, I was impressed by the Dodgers thing moving out here. I, the Dodgers and Laker fans, because I you know, obviously I grew up in Boston, just hate L.A. Are you, are you a Red Sox fan? I'm an everything fan, yeah. Red Sox, Celtics, Pats. Oh, congratulations. So, Jesus thank Christ. Are they pacing to break the record? They've got to be. So we're taping this on the Friday before the weekend. 
and they have to go like 30 and 8 or something to break the record. The thing is, is that a record you want to break? Why not? Because it seems like it's bad because luck. Because the Red Sox love the Yankees so much that they want to let them keep that record. It seems like who else? It seems like almost every team that wins that many games then loses at the playoffs. Is that true? Did the it's Yankees like a curse. did they use, did they lose in the the ninety eight Yankees came out unscathed. They won they like won the that. Oh one Mariners won I think like one sixteen or something and then lost in the playoffs. But and the Yan- the Yankees won that that year? 98? The ninety eight one, yeah, they did. So I can't imagine do they have a better record at this point, did the Yankees than the Sox do? It's I didn't really realize I watch all the Sox games and you know, you always go glass half empty with your teams. Yeah. So even though we had like the two MVP candidates and we had like probably the best pitcher in the AL, we have a great closer. And, um, but you're always concentrating on what we don't have. Like, oh, God, we don't have an Ethan and guy. And all the right. And then all of a sudden at some point everybody kind of looked at the record and said, I think it was at the All-Star break. They had the most wins any Red Sox team had ever won at the All-Star break. And we we're like, whoa. It's usually that that's the case with any team in any sport, right? There's a, there's there's a there's a bunch of high B plus players. There's no real clear stars that gather all the gravity and all of the light and all of the yeah. It's it's sort of a rag not 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 ragtag, but it's 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 well dispersed. There's parity on the team. There's there's not a distraction of of celebrity. But, but what was weird about this year is they have these two awesome hitters and one really awesome pitcher. And then there's that the 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 kind of parody with everybody else, mm-hmm. but it never it never really felt like a like a strong team. I felt like we've had better teams. But Why that's the sh- fun thing with baseball, though. It's like the the rhythm of the season, and if you get into it, still really matters. Why do they score so kid. many runs in general in the American League? Certainly the the Red Sox, but is it is it are are, are the hitters in the American League better, or is the pitching worse than than, than the National DH. League? Because it's I don't think that I, that DH can't part be of it. it. It's 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 distractingly different. I mean, there's softball scores in the American League. Big, um, big market teams. I think that helps. So Red Sox and Yankees, they're going to score. Red Sox, Yankees, Cubs, Dodgers, ten, twelve, the four r- most spending, best spending teams. I know, but you look at like a Dodger Mets score would be very typically four to two. And a Yankees Red Sox score would very typically be twelve to eight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like there's very no pitching, typically. Yeah. Yeah. So is it pitching or is it hitting? And I, I don't know. It's some the ballparks. I, I don't know all the reasons for it, but it does seem like we have more offense. I do. Th- I really do think though, psychologically for pitchers, knowing that like the seven eight nines coming up when you're in the NL and that ninth guy's the pitcher. It's it's just how I get through because I say it with my son with uh so there's so there's the, little league stuff so the pitching then is better innings one through six because they don't have to go 110 120 pitches well they just they have you know they get to the bottom of the order and they can just be like all right I'll get through these guys oh I see whereas right, in the AL that the, there's the bottom of the order is just a little I don't know I noticed it with my son with little league because in little league there's always like three really good kids on every team they always put them at the beginning of the mm-hmm. of the lineup. When you get through that gauntlet, then it's like, all right, now here comes the kid who's got headgear on. Right. You, know, right. you get through all those. Yeah. they. I think the American League also has typically a better hitting second baseman, a better hitting catcher. You know, the guys that are that are usually yeah. bundled down at 7, 8, 9 or, you know, 6, 7, 8. It's weird. Like, why, like in the NBA, the West has been better than the East for almost two decades now. That's and true, nobody right? really understands why other than the Knicks are completely incompetent and – um 
there's just for whatever reason the talent has drifted to the West, but it might be like an accident or an aberration. Well, it's like college sports, right? Those players are more attracted to those winning teams. When given a choice, they'll say, well, I'd rather play, you know, out in, out in the Pacific than, yeah, yeah. than the East. But I don't think that's the case with, with baseball, right? No, there's just something about – yeah. But I mean, when you come up for free agency, like when there's a choice, right? I, yeah. They seem to want to play as much in the West as they do in the East, or maybe not. Maybe the better players are playing in the And in now the East. there's this whole tax thing that probably drives some of it too. What is that luxury tax? Like why are the – No, I'm talking about income tax for oh, like oh, if, you play in, if you play for the Dodgers, you're paying like 13% for, versus like Houston, you're paying 0%. And it actually – I think for Chris Paul, they said it made him an extra twenty-two million bucks or something to what if play you, in Houston. What if your home though is like, let's say I'm a Dodger, but my home is in you know Arizona or in. Don't you have to prove Texas? you have to live half of the time or something? Right, but I mean, do? I think I think you you can. live in Nevada, right? Technically. I think yeah yeah me yeah I think you can though based on just this the season right I mean Maybe, they're, they're, yeah the, where you play like you're nomads doing work for in the four. six months anyway yeah I don't the Red Sox Yankee thing is weird to me because I don't understand why the Mets also wouldn't be successful because conceivably they should have as much money as the Yankees do so it comes back to my theory which is it's always about the owner the owner is like way more important than I think we give credit for. Like the Dodgers had bad owners, right? Frank yeah. McCourt was, yeah, he rock was bottom, looking to had to to have a high profile team so that he could leverage the, the 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 parking lot fees and maybe get a football stadium there, yeah, right. And also didn't have any money, right? And somehow ended up making off like a bandit. It's really one of the great American business stories of the last twenty years. How that guy actually ended up making money from basically buying the Dodgers with like a bunch of IOUs and. Weird shit, but the group they have in there now seems like such a bunch of great guys. Stan Caston yeah. is, is is such a good dude. And they spent a shitload. Yeah, yeah, the the moving out here, I was surprised by the Dodgers and Lakers, like how how good their fans were and also the generations of fans. Like you see yeah. it at the Dodgers game, you see like seventy eight year old guys with Dodger hats on. It is you know? a bummer though, where how we don't get up and and cheer an O two count. Uh, you know, as readily as the as an East Coast team, it's does. like a Yankee thing. Yeah, like it's got to be the eighth inning with a tied score or a one run lead to get up and cheer an O two count. You know, I will say at the same time, that's kind of LA though. I know, but it, and, and I don't think it's, it's not a good thing. Kind of like you're sitting back with your, you know, it's a little back embarrassing, especially yeah, on the national games too. You know, like in the playoffs and yeah. stuff. It's you know, it's oh, come on, guys. So do you, you haven't won in 30 years. I don't know if you're aware. I know. It, but I, but, and I, I'm a little ashamed of how okay I was with last year. I was so thrilled that we were – I was sitting there at game seven and, you know, we had – it was lost by what, third, fourth inning. Yeah. But it was like, it's okay. Look at us. Here we are. And I was like, that was – like almost expecting it. Well, but I was – I don't know. Maybe I was still on a high after that game five in Houston was just stunning. That's like the best baseball game I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think if we get back there again this year, I'm I'm going to want it to be won uh, a lot lot more than I did last year. I mean, I think to your point, I was just so thrilled after 30 years to to be there. I was at that Kirk Gibson game in 88. I mean, I oh my was— my God. Yeah. I, I, so it was, it was very much a part of my thinking, but I, I was pretty satisfied that we'd made it through. You were at the Kirk Gibson game? Yeah. I was Where actually walking, sitting down the right field line, field level, and— um, 
started as a typical L.A. fan, started walking towards the elevator behind home plate um, uh, to get a jump on traffic. And so right about the time I got behind home plate and waiting for the elevator, me and my buddy heard the crowd cheering. And, you know, from that walk around, you can see the field there. And yeah. so we looked down and we saw Gibson um, having just come out of the dugout. He was on the on-deck circle. So everybody, a lot of people had already left. We were part of a big, big group that was walking out. So yeah. there was no one sitting behind home plate. I mean, so there, you just there were tons of zoomed down there. So we walked straight down. We sat right behind home plate. And oh my that. god! Yeah, it was really cool. We, my dad and I, I wrote about this um, when it happened. My dad and I had a similar thing. The game when everything turned around, the Dave Roberts deal for the Red Sox. Yeah, and they're down three nothing. He stole that base. We left, but we didn't leave. Yeah, because my dad's like, let's let's go down in the tunnel, and if anything happens, we'll race back. So we went down, and then Millar got the walk to start the inning. We raced back. But it was like a classic Red Sox fan moment where we'd kind of quit and given up and had the hope beaten out of us, but we couldn't leave. Yeah. You know, like, just show me one thing, and I'll stay. And then it's like, boom, we're back. Have you seen the 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 10th inning on the, the Ken Burns yeah. documentary when it covers the, the Red Sox winning? And oh, yeah. The, the home run race. And, the, uh, I mean, I'm just such a fan of that. That the home run race is pretty funny 20 years later. Yeah. Like we glorified those dudes, and then, you know, now it's pretty awkward. It, well, <laughs> it, yeah, it's pretty awkward that, I mean, what's – when's the last time somebody hit 50 home runs? It might happen this year with my man Julio Daniel Martinez. Oh, really? JD, yeah, he might get there. What there's about – There's been some There's been some 50 range, but nothing like – I mean, Bonds had 73. Right, and the year before that had – Sixty-eight, yeah, 68 or, or yeah, yeah. So, uh, it, you know, I, I was um, as I'm, I'm sure you would probably agree with. Like the only real fun thing about being even remotely famous or recognizable is your ability to have a conversation with somebody who you really think is cool. Yeah. So, uh, talking to, to professional athletes certainly qualifies as that. So, there's this one baseball player that indulged me in, in some annoying sort of fan questions, and I asked him about steroids. I said, like, what is it about that that makes makes the numbers go higher is it just, is it just simply because you're stronger like you can just hit the ball harder and he said that it was it's much more about the twitch muscles it's it's being able to swing later hmm. um, being able to recognize the pitch deeper and then snapping the wrist and coming around and chipping it off you know just just fouling the ball off and staying alive and basically working pit you know getting into a hitter's count um, and avoiding a bad pitch. Um, so you don't need to start your swing as early because the small muscles in your wrists and your hands become strong enough where you don't have to start your swing early and commit wow. um, and strike out. I think HGH makes your eyesight better too. Oh, really? I'm pretty. I'm pretty sh- convinced that that's a thing. And that's a thing. There was that they one you were test bot- for right now. Isn't there? Isn't it? Can't you get around that or something? Who don't knows? make like you don't know. Look at the size of you. Listeners, you can't see this, but not only is Bill wearing lifts today, but you thought I was wearing lifts. I don't remember you you being so incredibly tall. It's really impressive. There's some sneaky tall people out there. You need a jump shot to go with that height, though. I I used to have one. Okay, I was so excited. Uh, Somebody was telling me this. Eddie Eddie Huang was on two weeks ago, who is like a chef slash personality but he plays basketball where he used to play and he mentioned he was coming on the podcast 
And a couple of the people are like, yeah, he was lights out from 19 feet. They no still way. remembered. Yeah. I was, I was like, I'm going to dine on that story for five years. It was great. Because they would play ones and twos at USC. Twos for threes. Everything else oh, at really? one point. So everyone else just jack threes. And I was always like, I'm good from 19. It's it counts for one point, but I'm gonna make I'm gonna make a lot of them. And that was my move. No one ever old taught guy me, game. No one ever taught me how to kind of tuck my elbow in and get like a straight sort of. My elbow was always out for the. I just I could not I could not shoot. Well, you're playing on on like TV sets and stuff like during <laughs> with breaks Nerf with balls. the crew. Yeah, exactly. I always thought in I always used to love those stories about Clooney at ER. He played these, play these a, basketball games real, during though. the breaks. Yeah, no, he was he was a maniac about it. Yeah, but he's like he's killing Anthony Edwards, you know. Like, <laughs> that's, well, that's what I used to love about it. Yeah, <laughs> he's <laughs> posting up Anthony Edwards. <laughs> I bet I bet Anthony's got a good game too. How did you? You had like these different phases of your career. What were the nineties like? What were we trying to do in the, the 90s? No, I was trying to continue, um, but things kind of flattened out for me. And Did you I, feel you were pigeonholed by, like, the child star stuff? Yeah, there was definitely a feeling of uh, my my um, experience sort of worked against me there. Like, yeah, we've seen him. That's tired. Um, and, and, and television comedy was moving away from multicam into single cam, single camera shows. Um, and so I was kind of uh, old news, and it was it was really tough. Um, yeah, but I, I just want you to know I never gave up. I appreciate. I, you. I swear to God, hundred percent. I was I was like I fucking like that guy. Keep and then when it, when you rallied back, I said yes. You just keep, you kept stock. buying stock. The stock price went down. You're the like, stock. let me just gobble it up. Here's how here's how much of a fan I was when when Matthew Perry was doing Chandler Friends season one. I was like, this guy's on fucking Bateman's corner. <laughs> this guy just studied the Bateman game tapes and crafted uh, a Chandler character out of the Bateman game tapes. This is I remember watching him just going, oh man, I'd love that part. This is a great I, part. I remember hanging out with him a tiny bit through there. You know, we'd bump into each other just here and there, um, and it just it felt so tantalizingly close. Like yeah. Uh, it was just that was something that I, I that would have been great. I mean, I never read for that show, but because you were playing Child Chandler on like two different TV shows, I suppose. I mean, he's so he's just fantastic at what he does, and um, I would have done it um, hopefully as good. But um, that was that was that was one that would have been that that would have been a blast. Um, that season one Chandler, and then eventually Friends became a rom com. And they kind of defanged him over the course of the show. And he just kind of would put his arm around Courtney Cox and was ask he if he the, could go get bread oh, right. for her. He was with Courtney Cox. He ended up and, with Courtney Cox and, and, and murdered, they murdered the character. But the season one Chandler was like, I was about the same age. I was like, finally, we're on TV. Oh, this right. Is, oh, great. It's a wise-ass guy who has trouble with women and he can't commit to anyone. Me. He kills Child he's, of divorce. He's this hilarious. He's fantastic. I, I'd love to see him do more stuff. So what was the big turning point for you? How did you, how did you wait, pull wait, it back? Well, it was Arrested Development. I mean, I So it I wasn't was, until then? Yeah. I was I was working a little bit, enough to kind of, you know, pay the rent yeah. and doing like a pilot every year. So I kept thinking, well, maybe this pilot's going to get picked up and I'll be back on a show. Um, but so it's bad luck with the, with the projects, I suppose that, and I mean, maybe I would have gotten better pilots to do if, if the one, if the people that were doing those better pilots were more interested in me. So, yeah. um, or maybe I sucked. I, I don't know, but it just, it didn't work for it's bizarre. a decade, but I was really, I was busy kind of catching up for lost time as a, as a kid too. So I was yeah. out partying and having a lot oh. of fun doing that. That was, that was a blast. Um, who were you running around with? I mean, did you have a crew? 
Yeah, most of them were non-actors. Um, he should have been in the Leo crew in retrospect. It would have been great. Well, he was, wasn't he? He was busy doing um, Growing Pains, wasn't he? I think. Oh, that's when you were running around. So early I 90s. So. I don't know. I can't really can't remember. It's a bit foggy, Bill. <laughs> that's a good thing. <laughs> um, but uh, in retrospect, it was it, it ended up being all all good, and I yeah. I kind of pulled out all that at a time when it was like okay now it now it's not cute and it's you know now you're the the thirty year old or thirty one year old you know at the closing down the bar and um, you know it, it's it was and then that show came along and my wife came along and I put down the booze and everything else and haven't had a drink since really yeah I didn't know that yeah what is it now. 17, 18 years, something like that. I, I had think. no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. The things you learn on a podcast. Mm. Where were you where were you going out in Hollywood? Yeah, all the clubs and bars and you know, the just the terrible sort of trashy, tacky Euro, you know, it, it was it was a blast. You know, the collars yeah. were big. I mean the the pictures, oh, the greasy faced, zitty skin, big fat collars. <laughs> oh, just disgusting. Um, it but seems it was like fun. the 90s LA seemed like a really fun place to try to make it. I remember like John Hamm was on my podcast once we were talking about it because he was basically – he was out here during the Swingers era. Yeah. And Swingers comes out. A Dresden it, room. and The Dresden and yeah. all that stuff. And it was like this is kind of like our life is now in a movie. This is weird. Mm-hmm. But all these struggling actors, look, seeing themselves through that lens, it was kind of pre-internet. Yeah, it was so much. Thank I was God. dealing with it in Boston from a writing standpoint because we just didn't. There weren't a lot of options. It was like there's two newspapers or the monthly magazine or that's it. How am I going to get read? And it was yeah. kind of the same thing with actors. Now it seems like it's a little, there's so many more shows. There's so many more shows, and God. there's so many more ways to to make noise, right? Yeah. I mean, you can become famous um, through a bunch of different doors, which you know is is fine. Um, but like that director from eighth grade, that Bo Burnham, he came yeah. on my pod last month. He's a stand up comic, isn't he? Yeah, but right. it started as a, one of the first YouTube stars in like 2006. Made some video that a lot of people forwarded around. Yeah, I hear that. Became that a comic, fantastic. and now all of a sudden he's a director, and it's great. Yeah, I think I'm going to see that this weekend. Um, yeah, I hear he did a great, great job with that. It was good. Yeah. So arrested, did you know? You were like, if I get this. I, yeah. I, um, my, my agent who I just, I just left after a number of years, I felt like, you know, I got to, it's like, you know, firing the manager of a baseball team, even though, you know, it's, he ain't throwing or hitting, you know, it's, yeah. it's, the, the team sucks. You know? So I was just, yeah, I was like, well, I got to switch something up. And, and she, she kind of got it. Um, so I signed with a new agent and six months go by and there's still nothing. And then, and then my old agent calls and she says, you know, there's this, there's this pilot called Arrested Development that I, I see on the list that you haven't been out on. You should tell, you know, those, those new fucking agency yours to send you in on that. Yeah. Um, and I said, well, thank that. That's, that's very nice of you. And, and, um, and we looked at the at the pile. I called my agent. The agent said, "Yeah, no, that that show's not going to go anywhere." Let, let me let me tell you what it says on the on the on the cover page. It basically said, "Any actor who's interested in, you know, makeup or lighting or a dressing room that's bigger than you know a a, 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 a corral uh, shouldn't shouldn't you know come in on this because it's going to be bare bones sort of." documentary style and and um and then of course you read it and and it is pretty subversive uh, challenging stuff at the time and um 
and so they they didn't think that it was going to go anywhere. And I said, well, but this is a single camera as well as sort of a mockumentary style, and it's through Imagine. You know, Ron Howard's going to be the narrator. Like this yeah. is badass, you know. And it's it's the opposite of what I was known for. That sort of that sitcom studio audience multicam thing. And so I thought, there's, they're probably not going to even see me for this. Um, but uh, the guy who created it. Um, remembered me from an audition that I did for him, I don't know, five, six years beforehand for a multicam show. And, and, and as he, as he tells it, he just, he remembers that I was good in that, but he didn't end up going with me, but he remembered that I, I gave a good audition. So he said, mm. sure. Yeah. Bring him in. And then I just kind of guessed right with what that, what that character could or should be in and amongst all the craziness. And he followed me out of the audition uh, room afterwards. And he said, he said, Hey, so uh, you have an audition tomorrow for that other show that that I'm producing on uh, on ABC that 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 sitcom in front of a studio audience. I was like, yeah. He goes, right. He says, but but this, right? This show. I said, yeah, yeah. I love this one. He goes, yeah, good. He said, don't don't come in tomorrow for that other one. I, I don't want the I don't want the network to see you. I was like, okay, this sounds good. He goes, uh, we'll we'll be in touch. And so like I got to my car and I called my agent. I said, I think I just got really good feedback leaving this audition. And yeah. So from that moment forward, I was really excited about the possibility of what the show could be for me, not only just comedically, because it was kind of a more dry, less sort of throw to the back row kind of stuff like in sitcoms. This was this was smaller and, and more kind of on my sense of humor. And plus what it could do for me sort of resetting that the optics of w- who I am and what I, what I do. What was the um, ABC show? Um, it would have been funny if it was like Modern Family. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oops. I'll take that other one. <laughs> um, I don't. I don't remember. It's but probably it was, the right choice. It, it well, it's no, it, it didn't go. It. it uh, and then six years later, now your life involves just eating dinner and people coming up and shouting Rested development lines at you, which is which is fine. I mean, I I am sort of um, the 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 limited level of fame I have is uh, is is sort of just that right it's the uh, people recognize me as an actor as opposed to um you know some like i've got friends that are that are bona fide celebrities like they're, yeah. they're like real high profile people super famous and you know they walk down the street and and it it's the equivalent of like a, an animal getting out of the zoo like yeah. you, you would whip out your phone immediately and you'd take a picture of that and you would tell total strangers around you wait look, look at that look at that and it becomes impossible for them to live um and Fortunately, I, I guess, and I don't mean to sound, you know, falsely modest or whatever it would be, but uh, that that's not that's not me. I mean, I'm I've got enough fame, I guess, to, you know, talk to the baseball player or get a table at a restaurant or or you know, keep working. But um, that level of fame, uh, I don't I don't I don't know I don't I don't know if I'd be good with. Yeah, it's I've noticed that with the NBA players who are are just like A plus list celebs yeah. now, but they're also tall. Yeah. So not only can they not impossible. go anywhere, but they literally can't go anywhere, and they stand out like a they, sore thumb wherever they go. They just got to deal with it. And they're yeah. in a hotel Which suite. Yeah. Or they have a very small inner circle around them. That's it. Yeah. I mean, look, these are high class problems, but um, but it is it is ever present for them. Well, I think the weirdest thing would be just people writing about your personal life constantly. Like, that, I know you're friends part, with Jennifer Aniston, but yeah. like her her life just being covered, and you never know what's true and not true all the time. I, that that part, I mean, I can't speak for her, but I would imagine that y- you you just kind of baked into the cake is 
the assumption that the people who are reading this are reading this for fun. Like you kind of know that those magazines – uh, that there's more than a grain of salt and there's probably a, a kernel of truth to it, but it's super hyperbolic in order to, you know, get the magazine sold or the clickbait on the computer or whatever it is. And, and you know, sometimes that gets into um, embarrassing or damaging stuff to, to, to you, yeah. I, I would imagine. But for the most part, I think there's a, there's, there's a trust and an assumption that, that, that the people who are consuming it are, are kind of doing it kind of tongue in cheek. I'm always amazed when people can escape being that famous unscathed. Like I always thought LeBron was amazing in that respect because he's basically a child actor, right? He's hmm. his equivalent of uh, of It's Your Move and Silver Spoons was like he was his high school games were on ESPN, right? You know, and yeah. then he was 18. He's in the NBA, and he's handled it really well. I think Kobe probably handled it a lot worse, and eventually got to the right place with it, but. Um, it's yeah, just there's, tough, man. There's, um, yeah, I don't know if it's, it's something you can learn or read about or – I, I think, think you can. Yeah, I think it's a natural sort of disposition that – It depends on the people around you too, I think. LeBron was very close to his buddies. Mm-hmm. Like and he, if those buddies a, weren't sort of um, – They, they but, became like his family kind of infrastructure. Yeah, and if they were, if they were bad people, he would that probably – Yeah, he would – they would be permissive of sort of um, – a lesser instinct that, yes. that, that that we all have, and and my parents, you know, uh, weren't perfect, but they were they were people that I knew if I kind of got lazy uh, with with personality and treatment of people that I'd hear about it, and certainly my friends around me would would do the same thing. So, um, your sister must have been like crazy famous during that like yeah. four year stretch of that show, right? Oh yeah, it was like thirty million people watching that show. Yeah, right. The numbers back then are like Enormous. it's totally out of whack. It's I like know. Super Bowl numbers for episode 18 of Cheers. Yeah. Yeah, you know? you're right. Yeah, I remember her handling it really well though. Um yeah. yeah, she was she was pretty cool with it. Yeah, and remains so. Yeah. So arrested development, how many years did it go? The first incarnation. Um, two and a half. I and think. that was it. Yeah. It was I'm the f- greatest thing that ever could have happened in her show. It was critically beloved and People loved it so much that they went crazy when it got canceled, and it's almost like, yeah, it vaults to this whole other level, and then eventually ends up coming back. Yeah, and for the most part, the people who were really watching it and loving it were were well, at least there were a lot of those people in this city and handing out jobs. So when Good it went, for you. yeah, when it went down, I um, I kind of got this 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 second shot, and and. Treated it differently, and I mean, I was very aware of how lucky I was to have another chance at um, at, at relevance. And you yeah, know, what are you going to do with the capital now? And how do you sort of diversify? And what 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 projects kind of lend themselves to longevity as opposed to fame or fortune? I mean, it it, it was a real big. Did you do at least period. one? I'm only doing this for the paycheck. Ooh, there were more than one. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> there. <laughs> You're like how much? Yeah, uh, I yeah I'm there was. In. Yeah. Um, That's a new house. I'm done. I don't need to see a script. I'm good. Yeah. But it's, you do, you do a, a few too many of those and it, right. you're, yeah, you're it's done. It's a tipping point. Yeah, for sure. You can get away with one, maybe two. I feel like there's, there's a, you're allowed a few more mulligans today. Like you see a lot of people out there doing kind of these commercials that are like, really? Yeah. But, but it's kind of in the culture. And I was like, oh, well, yeah, I bet they paid them a bunch for that. You know, let them, let them go. You know, um, it is funny, like with uh, so with music too. 
there's songs that I can't believe are commercial songs. Like, wow, they let them use that for an ad? <laughs> right. But, you know, I think we're all kind of, we. I was really worried about this with podcasts, like, you know, five, six years ago about doing, doing, um, you know, bringing in sponsors during the show and telling the audience to take a break and people are just used to it. But people yeah. get it now. It's 2018. People get it. Yeah, you got to pay the bills, and and you're allowed to make money, and um, I think and tell it, people about some great sponsors, Jason. Let's throw to one right now. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with twenty five thousand miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Great ad, by the way. All right, we're back. That was awesome. Thank you. Thanks for helping out yep. with that. Um, so Netflix brings it back. Netflix brings it back, and we do. Uh, did you we did you were you worried about coming back? No, so kind of. It was it really. Was this, it was we're just focused on being all being able to hang out again and uh, and do these characters that we loved and that were so helpful to us in our careers. Yeah, it was just kind of a, a no brainer. But they couldn't. Wasn't in like this. It was really hard to get everybody the schedules and arrange who was going to yeah. be where. Well, because we we kind of at by this point, you know, the 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 show had basically given us all careers, and so we were all doing well. And they couldn't pay us all the current fees that we were making in other stuff and yeah. they're saying well but you got to be exclusive to us for three four five months in order to do all these episodes and we're saying well but that means it's three or four months where we can't be making x right. and so you guys have to be more flexible with our time so that we're kind of in for a couple of weeks then out for a few weeks and that so it just became compl uh, complicated on a, a scheduling this is early on before netflix just was like ah screw it how much you want well, uh, I mean, they're, they're not, they're not doormats, but they were, they, <laughs> they were, they were, uh, they were, they were, they're very supportive and cooperative and, um, they, they are, they are not cheap. Uh, they, they, they pay people what, what they deserve for sure. They've definitely, uh, I would say the competition would also agree that they're not cheap. Yeah, no, they're what they're, they've done for documentaries has been right? incredible. I just think it's so impressive how they continue to reinvest in their company. Yeah, I mean the amount of money they spend every year in acquisitions and licenses are—it's just incredible. Do you feel so? Season one came out and was and did well, like. Critics liked it, but which on Netflix? Yeah, but all I of don't. Th I don't think it. I don't. I, I don't think it was. It wasn't. Certainly wasn't universally praised. I, I think there was a little bit of pushback. It's respected though, right? Yeah. Well, you know, Mitch Hurwitz did a really. I think a really incredible thing, which was he looked at the. Um, I was talking about Ozark. Oh, oh, oh! We can go to that. No, it's all right, we well. We'll close the loop one. on the rest. Yeah. Of it. Mitch. Mitch did a thing where you know it was. It was kind of early in the Netflix. 
um, original series effort. Yeah. And so this notion of dropping all of the episodes on the same day, right, like an album where you can you can listen to any so- songs in whatever order you want, he wanted to embrace that you know, in, the, in, a, in a script form. So yeah. um, he gave each character one episode uh, to sort of appease the scheduling problems and then figured, well, he'll have all of these, all of these uh, events that happen in each episode happen concurrently. So like while you and I are talking, you know, so this is my episode. In the background, we see Job riding a seg- Segway. You yeah. could s- stop mine, click over into Job's, and now you're with him where he's going. Yeah. So it was a really ambitious thing that he did. And I, I thought it was, it was, I really remember cool there was backlash tra- for that. I do and remember then, that. Yeah. There yeah. was, there was a, uh, it just didn't, I think braid as, as, as well as he had wished. And, and certainly the audience had wished. I, I don't think they, they didn't kill him for it, but it, it was like, well, hang on. I went to go see the concert and you're not going to play the hits the way I remember them. Yeah. Which I get. You know, you don't want someone to pay play the hit, you know, well, we're going to do this all acoustic, you know, like, no, guy, plug it in and give it to me. Yeah. Um, or they play a bunch of the hits early and then it's like, here's our new album. Yeah. And everybody goes to get beer. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, uh, so I get that. Um, and then this, uh, we just did another um, season of it. Um, we, we've broken that up into two halves as far as showing those episodes. We did the first half already and then the next half of the shows uh, are at the end of the year, I think. So Ozark, everything comes out at the same time. Mm-hmm. I, I've not gone the other way in this model. I went from liking it to as somebody who runs a company that does multimedia content. When Stranger Things came out, season two, mm-hmm. and they just put all of them out at once, mm-hmm. we got like three days out of it. And that was it. Because we, we have no, no idea when people are watching which one, whereas like a show like Succession – which our staff just really got into. Right. I hear that's and, great. Yeah, it was really good. And and uh, first couple we wrote like one or two. It started to really heat up around episode five, and it's like every week. By like week seven, we're like, we're doing a podcast about succession. Like, are, are we writing about a Monday? Right. By, by the time we got to like the last week, we, we did like five pieces and two pods, and we were kind of building with the show. Right. And I think that's what's getting lost. Now I'm saying that selfishly as somebody who runs a content right, I guess, factory because they're drip, drip, dripping out each episode, and it's giving you guys time to not only ingest it as viewers, it's like, it becomes but like also, sports. Yeah, it's no, like a, it. it's like a season, and that's like with Game of Thrones, which is the best example of this, where. We treat Game of Thrones like it's the NBA playoffs. Right, and you have time to review that last game, talk about how the managers might play the next game, yeah. who's going to start, this mean? who's not. Yeah. What was this little nugget here? We had we had like a reaction podcast slash Twitter show to it, but then another deeper dive podcast that came three days later that was like for the true, true maniacs. Right. But if they dumped those all at once, I, I think know. our staff would have a seizure. You know? I know. So that, I don't know. I is, battle on it back and forth. It is a it is a bummer because I I know I know what you're talking. Like that's one of the reasons I love baseball the, because of the pace of it because it lends itself to uh, analysis and um and and strategy and and you sort of you're guessing what okay well now the counts one two like well, I wonder what he's looking for and with the model you're talking about it's it is it is tough to to do that in that what I wish they did was I think when a show launches. I think you put all of them out mm-hmm. because I think people watch new shows at basically the their own pace. I think right. Succession and Billions was another one are kind of not very typical. Mm-hmm. But I think when season two comes out, most people are caught up at that point. They're ready for the next season and they want to enjoy it with other people and they want to read stuff 
and guess where stuff's going. Right. And yeah, I think the motto would be to put out two at a time. If I, if mm-hmm. Netflix like made me czar for a day, what mm-hmm. would I do? I'd say put two out at a time. Meaning meaning two a week? Yeah. And give people, give the audience and the media a chance to catch up and write about it. Now, the the flip side of that would be if it was a bad season. Mm-hmm. And then by the fourth, it was like, oh, this season two is terrible. Whereas if you put the whole thing out at once. Yeah. there's. I don't I mean, know. I don't know what the rating is. Well, there's, from a, from a creative standpoint, like now imagine yourself on the other side of, of the, of the, the metric, right, where you're you're actually writing the show and you're you're directing it, acting in it, whatever. If you are assuming that your ten hour movie is being watched in two sittings, two, three or, days. or three sittings, you're thinking about it differently. Oh yeah, now you don't have to think, think about the kind of pseudo subtle recap stuff you have to do if you're only dropping an hour every week. True. You have to remind people, and so if you were to do that. When you're watching a big chunk, as a viewer, you're like, guy, I already know that. You don't need to hit me with that again. So yeah. it allows you to treat it more like a 10-hour movie, right, a 10-chapter ten, a ten, ten film, right. beginning, middle, and end of the whole thing, uh, as opposed to each episode being fully intact with a with a big significant kind of cliffhanger at the end of each episode to – to pique your interest, to drag you to the next. It's just right. a different way of, of doing it. I'm not saying either one is, is better, but it is, it is well, something. Well, what's cool about it is it's so different. Yeah, and it's it also, it, it gives the viewer the power. In other words, if all of the people that are, that are you know, following the, the, the podcast on, let's say, Ozark, of which you don't have. The I've, Ozark I've recapables? Yes. Um, you, have, you know who we have, though? We have Ozark's biggest fan on staff, Chris Ryan. Well, let's let's he, host of we, the watch. let's make him czar. Host make, of the watch. The, <laughs> I love your site. He's like an Ozark, uh, like Scientologist. Is he really? It's like badgering people. Have you watched it yet? I'd like to meet him. Yeah, he sounds yeah, like a bright we can, guy. We can arrange that. Yeah. Um, but so you just we just have to tell those people have some self discipline and only watch one a week, and just know nobody's doing that. Well, let me ask you a question, Bill. When you go to the market, are you just buying a day's worth of food or do you have enough fucking self-discipline to <laughs> load the fridge up and just know, well, I'm just going to eat this tonight and I'll probably have that tomorrow and I don't, don't want to keep jackassing down to the market, you know, six times a week. It's the viewer's fault. It's the viewer's it's fault. self-discipline. They should know. There is something to having all the shows available, but uh, it's hard. Worth it. It's hard, man. When does yours come out? Uh, August 31st, end of the month. Just two. all of them drops. Yeah, you got time to watch the first season now, dick. I I'm going to watch it. Why don't you get on it? Why don't you sit with that smart guy that works at The Ringer? I What's was waiting name? until season two was ready. I actually, it's probably going to be this weekend. Great. Amanda, I have a, uh, how old are your kids? 11 and 6. They're busy. Don't, I, I'm not comfortable sending them over to your house. No, no, no. I didn't want to watch it with your kids. Oh. But, uh. No, my daughter's got soccer this weekend, and oh, I, this was the weekend. No, you don't have to watch tournament. it this weekend. No, no, you know, no. She's got a good tournament. thing about Netflix. You know, they do drop them all at the same time, but it is like a it's like a cockroach. They're never they'll never die. They'll always be there whenever you want to watch them. Take your time. My thing is, it's a ten hour commitment, and I, and especially because it was you, I wanted to do it from a position of strength. And you want to give it the kind. I also wanted to make sure it was going to be a second season, and now there is. So now I'm now you can commit. I did the same thing with Friday Night Lights. My wife loves that show. I didn't watch season one because I didn't want to get drawn in. And then I'm still reeling from when Love Monkey got canceled. There's, I've had a couple of really ones that hurt my feelings. The people who made Friday Night Lights or, or Ozark, we didn't know if there's going to be season two. So it finishes. 
Like you can't. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You can't. You can't be. You know, presumptive and like leave some big obnoxious dangling. You know, cliffhanger. Um, you got to close it, and we we did. That was our. It was like we're going to make a, a ten hour movie. And if it does well, then we're going to do a sequel. I know I'm going to like it. Chris Ryan and I are usually aligned on taste, and he's been badgering about it for a while. Watch it so two at a time. Just just watch the first two. Two at a time? Yeah, just watch the first two and see if, you know. Did you study other shows to try to figure out what to do and not do that have arcs like this? No, the 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 head writer Chris Mundy is 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 very very capable, and and I leave all the writing to him, and I kind of focus on everything else. Um, the, the so you don't weigh in on stuff. I mean, you know, we talk about the whole seasonal arc and what each character is going to do, and kind of at at, at what episode. Um, you don't show your ass on this show, do you? Uh, episode six, you, I think you get a Some really really nice ass shot of me. I was really disappointed, um, uh, you know, because your I ass didn't look that good. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't get to see my ass. Yeah, you know, when's the last time you looked at your ass? Well, you'd have to turn around and look at it in the mirror. It's not you don't get a real nice natural shot of it. Right. I mean, you you got to go out of your way to get a look at your ass. Right. Right. And you're you're not doing that at home, right? No. Right. No. Me neither. But here I am watching the show, and I'm like. Whose is that? Yeah, plus we're old. We have saggy asses, though. Yeah, yeah. it's like, what's going on over there? That was my favorite. My favorite ass flex of all time was Michael Douglas in Basic Instinct. He has sex with Sharon Stone. And, he's and there's this scene where he walks to the bathroom by Sharon Stone's girlfriend in the movie. Uh-huh. And it's just like full ass balls swinging under the ass flex <laughs> by Michael Douglas, where he's like, this has to stay in the movie. People are going to see my swinging balls. <laughs> and on a 50-foot movie screen, it's horrifying. Oh, yeah, But yeah, 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 it's a total ass flex. It'll happen. People do this. Schwarzenegger did in Terminator. You're going to do it. Season three Ozark, you'll be like a whole naked episode. Just Bulldog America? Yeah, you, you'll have like some personal trainer. You're... Are you 50 yet? I, You're not 50 I, yet, right? I'll be 50 in January. You I turn run, 50, personal trainer. I run like I'm being chased by the cops uh, every <laughs> day. Sprint. Yeah, and I still, it's still, there's just, you. there's an elasticity that just leaves you after 35. You never did a sports movie other than Teen Wolf 2, right? I did a pretty smoking football film called Necessary Roughness. Oh, I, I like mean, that movie. That movie is Don't apologize top. for Necessary Roughness. That's a classic. When's the last time you saw that? Kathy Ireland? Yeah. Good Scott Bakula? Wow. Oh, yeah. You act like I haven't seen every sports movie at least five times. Well, you, but, like, I bet you were knee-deep in a bong, in drowning in bong water when you watched that movie. I can't deny that. Yeah. I think you should want, try it sober and see how many minutes no, you can that, get in. The... Uh, the 90s were some of those movies have not, as we discussed earlier, have not aged well. No. Even like the program has not aged well. When was the last time we watched the program? I James Conn, Crooked College Football Coach. I don't know that movie. That's a good one. Yeah? Yeah, that's a good one. It, 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 it became famous after the fact because there's a steroids character in it. Oh, really? Latimer, who gets off steroids and then gets knocked over on the big goal line stand, so then gets back in the steroids at the end of the movie. So that became kind of its signature. So it's a teaching moment. It's teaching a moment. A learning moment. It's like, don't stop taking steroids, kids. The thing I loved about Necessary Reference is that I got to wear football pads for the first time in my life. Like, I'm such a candy-ass actor. It's like the yeah. only time I could wear football pads is like, you know, in a movie, in front of the lights. Um, and I had no, because my mother's uh, English. Uh, she made me play soccer my whole life. She never yeah. let me play football. So I was very excited to do this, but I had no idea how to tackle. I was petrified of breaking my neck, mm. right? Because you got you got to lead with your helmet. And I was like, "Guys, this doesn't sound smart at all. Are you, you you must not be saying a crucial 
thing to me. You're saying lead with the crown of the helmet. Um, that's wh- where my head is. That's where my head is, and my neck is going to take a real big shot yeah. here, fellas. <laughs> so what I what I <laughs> what I ended up doing was. Uh, I would t- I'd sort of shrug my shoulders um, up high, and I'd lock my helmet into the cavity between the shoulder pads, yeah. thinking that, well, that's going to lock it in place. Now it can't kink right or kink left or back at all. And that's the way. So I'd, I, so you look like Lurch? <laughs> yeah, just, just look like just an idiot. The stunt double did a lot of work in that film for me. <laughs> I was on but my But you're chair. good at baseball, though. I've played softball with you. I, 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 I can do you all right. You should have done a baseball movie. Yeah, who wants to watch those? They're, all the good ones have been done. Yeah, what's I've, your, I've, seen, I've seen a couple three? of great scripts, and I'm just like, I, I'm seriously. Not, oh yeah, like there's a there's a Pete Rose one right now. It's just like, I, first of all, that story's not not finished yet, and I, I just don't think you can touch the sacred ground of the Bull Durham's and Natural, and you know, even Major League. And I had this idea. I think Tommy, who was the guy I gave the idea to for the baseball movie? Was that Miles Teller? My, he, didn't he do one? Didn't he? Well, so there's a lot of these athletes are, yeah, all these athletes are frustrated baseball players. So I had this idea for, and it's like a half baked idea, as my friend Kevin Wells used to call it. It's basically an excuse to all these actors who secretly want to show everyone that they're good at a sport mm-hmm. like baseball. Costner and Tom Selleck. Yeah, those, all those these guys ba- are great, great. So players. like, uh, it's basically some some actor buys a minor league baseball team and puts it in Hollywood and the gimmick's going to be he has his actor friends mm-hmm. kind of be on the double A team mm-hmm. but then they actually become pretty good and it's like it's one of those but it's the the only way the only reason to do it is because people like Brian Cranston are still like yeah I could play now I can hit baseball 300 I think Billy Cranston was a starter yeah. hey you get all those Tony Danza and you're I basically had, just appealing to the ego. park home runoff Tony Danza at the Hollywood Stars game <laughs> did you really past the sprinting Lou Ferrigno yeah <laughs> I had a gaffer, <laughs> and uh, it was a play. What was the Hollywood Stars game? Well, the Hollywood Stars and I, uh, they still do it, uh, but now it's softball, and they bring in a, uh, a fence and everything. But it, it, back then, it was it was, it was it was hardball. It was overhand. Oh, my God. And, um, yeah, and I kind of closed my eyes and hit, hit one pretty hard, uh, right field gap. So play at the plate. I can't believe they didn't take Lou Ferrigno out for defense late in the late innings. <sighs> yeah, he was he was he was he not, barely not closing too mus- on the ball too muscular. quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was uh, it was great. Fred Rogan post game interview and everything. Oh my god, oh, buddy, you own big. Tony Danza. Yeah, he got don't one, he don't bring that into me. my house, Tony. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what's next for you, Ozark, and then what else? Um, we we will we're we're working on stuff now. We'll see. But, okay. Um, what's your favorite movie that you've done? What's your go to? This is I'm the most happy with this movie. That's a good question. Um. Still haven't met the movie. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they're all kind of good for different reasons, but th- there's nothing like doing a, a an ensemble comedy, right? On a, on on you know, like a studio budget, right? Where y- you got a long schedule, so you don't have to do a bunch of pages every day. So yeah. the, the pace is kind of relaxed, and everyone's playing grab ass all day because no one's got a big emotional scene. You got to be yeah. sensitive to at the end of the day. There's no big action, dangerous stunt stuff that somebody's right. It's just like people are just the movie is just dumb. So what's your favorite of those? I mean, come on, pick there's, one. There's plenty of dumb ones I've done, you know, like uh like uh, the horrible bosses or identity thief or even change up or I mean, you know, really good fun times with There was a horrible people. bosses too. 
which I thought was better than the first there one. There was you made a sequel. You yeah. know a comedy worked when there's a sequel to it. Well, it either worked or worked just enough, but nobody consulted the audience to see if they gave a shit. Why never you got why didn't you ever get into the Apatow circles? Though it suddenly it seemed like a natural to you. I don't know. I don't know. I mean I, I he knows where to get a hold of That's me. That's bullshit. I, Come I on, Apatow. Him. I think he's a great guy. Did Couldn't I say that clearly into the microphone enough? Couldn't I think... have been in one of those, like the last? I know. Well, listen, there's a lot of talented people he's got access to. I'll wait my turn. Is Kimmel, do you think he's a 10-episode Netflix show, an ABC sitcom, or like a dark indie movie? You mean when he transitions into no, his— No, if, ma- if you had to make a—if you were making the Kimmel story, what would you? What would, which path would you pick? What was the last one? Uh, a dark indie movie. That one. A dark comedy. He, uh, he, I think Jimmy, I think Jimmy could like do that. Like, well, you know, the cliche with comics is that, you know, they're all dark. But like, you know, Jimmy, when he's not doing a show, like Jimmy at home, like he he flicks a switch and he's like a real interesting guy to talk to. But it's, he's not, he's not, he's not on. He's not, you know, banging the tambourine. Um, he's, um He's got. I think he'd be. Do you ever see um, Jerry Lewis in The King of Comedy? Yeah. See, like that's. Um, so you want him to be kidnapped in the movie? Well, I just. I think he's. He's got. <laughs> he's got some mystery in there that I think he would does. translate well some characters. with a camera. Yeah. I remember the first year I worked for him. He was going through a divorce. He was dating Sarah, and he had his kids who were basically the same age of our kids now. And, like, on Wednesdays, he would babysit his kids. Mm -hmm. But he was also doing the show. And, like, the kids would get delivered. They would do homework. And he was, like, trying to do this talk show and get ready to interview, like, 50 Cent. Right. But then, like, his son's playing video games and his daughter. And I was like, I was like, have you ever thought about turning this into a sitcom? (laughs) Or, like, a a single cam HBO show? And he, like, he paused for a second. He's like, No! Yeah. No, I haven't. Why would I do that? <laughs> it was like one of those. I was like, yeah, just, you know, nothing, no bad ideas in a brainstorm. Well, they were probably in the middle of Larry Sanders right then, too. It was like, it was right afterwards. So it was, it was probably like four years later. That, right? I no. Mean, that, never... But that's the thing is like, you can't ever touch it. But yet now it's been 20 years and it feels like you probably could touch it. It would have to be a completely different well, You might get show. allowed to, but would you be able to sleep at night? You know, I just— I So you think it's sacred ground? For just me personally, I just love that show so much. And everybody—I yeah. mean, I just talk about Apatow. You know, he was right there. You know, um, we did this thing. We did the 100 best TV episodes in The Ringer. And we did a tweet about describe your favorite episode ever in five words. So all these people tried to do their things. And I think uh, mine was like— Larry Sanders, Larry's friends roast him, or like so. Right. It was the because my favorite episode ever is the Larry Sanders roast. Yeah, but uh, I got, I got, I got. I have not seen all of them, but the ones I have, I just think it just tonally just spot on. He agrees to be in a roast, and it just goes badly. <laughs> it's like the quintessential, quintessential. Yeah, I mean that created the framework for. A lot of where, like, Arrested Development and some of these other shows went. The one I still haven't watched is The Office, which that's the also British? on my list. No, that the American one that my entire staff is obsessed with. Did you see the British one? No. Oh, that's why people go, always go, well, you got to see the British one first. Well, it's I like, mean, do I, ha- I have to choose, right? Not, I not, to, say, not to say that the American one is, is no good, but um, it is just it's just different uh, tones comedically, you know? Uh, just what like, if I don't like British people? 
Um, well, then you should probably talk to somebody. But um, <laughs> the uh, there's there. It's just it's a it's a it's a it's a much smaller, quieter, yeah, uh, uncomfortable brand of humor. Like the, the humor mm. is in the discomfort of the silence. And and if if that's a thing that makes you giggle, then it's for you. Um, the, the the American version does that for sure, but um, I, I there, there is a difference. There's a different, no better, no worse. Again, kind of like you know Woody Allen humor versus Mel Brooks humor. Like they're both incredibly good, but wildly different. Um, all right, Ozark, August thirty first, yeah, first, and then other projects that you want to talk about. No, no nothing left to talk about here. No, there's a possible. Things in the hopper, maybe. Oh, there's there's hop. You know, there's, there's hopping. Things when are I hopping. come back, yeah, I'm gonna have just a list. But what you're gonna do is you're gonna have season one done. I'm gonna watch Ozark. I swear on my kids, I'm gonna watch it. I mean, Jesus, I just been saving it. Sometimes I should have I... actually called and said, "Well, hang on, has Bill even seen Ozark?" I'm not. No, but that. I knew I was gonna see it. We've given Ozark a lot of love on the Ringer. That's good enough. I don't think you have. We have. Not you know, Tommy. Have we? It's on my loop. Yes. I do check the Ringer every day. And Here's it's the not there. There's a lot of love. You're talking about your fucking Game of Thrones and your your hundred best <laughs> episodes. I guess what I didn't even click on the hundred best episodes <laughs> article because I knew I was nowhere in it. No chance. No, first of all, you're definitely in it. Really? Arrested was in there. Doubt it. I don't know if Ozark was. We haven't had your great episode. Well, I can tell yet, you, Ozark you? wasn't in it. Have you had your great episode yet? Usually, yeah. that's like season Ten three, of season them, bro. four. No, but season three, season four is when that's usually... what I, I hear. Um, Breaking Bad gets smoking. Then I've only seen the first season of Breaking Bad. And I hear that that's like dig in. Yeah. So you're mad at me? I haven't seen Ozark yet. You haven't even seen Breaking Bad. Buddy, I'm I'm ridiculous. What I have? I've I haven't seen. Don't tell Jen. I haven't I haven't seen Friends. Come on. Yeah. I've seen scenes of it, but I don't think I, I've never seen a full episode of Seinfeld. I've never seen. But you know the Chandler character in Friends, though. Oh sure, but I've never seen like I've never like sat down and go. Okay, it's time to watch Friends. Right. You know, there are shows that you kind of sit down and make appointments for, I suppose. But um, I'm I'm that dork that watches every single Dodger game. Yeah. Um, and MSNBC. And that's it. You, you hear what's going on in Washington, D.C. with this president of ours? You hear what's going on? It's, it's a real show. It's not great. My question is, when does it start trickling into Hollywood and culture? Because I saw there was some—I saw a trailer— for a movie called The Oath with Tiffany Haddish and all these people. And it's basically about they, the the White House releases some Patriot Act and everybody has to sign. But it's clearly like making fun of the Trump presidency, like crossed with the purge. Right. And uh, I was like, oh, here we go. Yeah. I guess we're starting to make these I'll now. Bet there's going to be a whole generation of things yeah. that will be affected, I'm well, sure. Because you think about it in the 70s when Watergate happened. And starting about two years later was just this run of of uh, suspense kind of Washington thrillers. All the that President's we grew Men, up I think, is one of my favorite films, if not oh yeah, my top film. But there was a lot of those like that, like Marathon Man, and right. where just like people aren't what they seem, and mm-hmm. the government's evil, and people are around every corner, and it started this run. I wonder. I wonder how who's this got. Is I wonder who's. Itself. I wonder who's got the lead on the lead, meaning who's winning the race in having a fully developed, ready to go 
Donald Trump movie, you know, about, about the whole presidency, about this whole scandal, about the whole oh. – the eventual takedown, I'm, I'm sure. I mean, knock wood. Um, like like <laughs> Catherine uh, Bigelow and, and Mark Bull were ready right. with the Osama bin Laden thing. Like they were, they were well down the field on that. Um, would you play Donald Trump Jr.? <laughs> if it was the right thing? Why well, I have to be the junior? You know, I'm going to be 50 in January. I put on a lot of weight. I could, you'd, you'd I have could to put on like some kind of fifty pounds. Nice light rinse in my hair. You'd have to have get lifts. He's like six three. Is he really? Yeah, yeah. He's a big man. That that's part of the in person kind of mystique about him. Why do all of a sudden? Remember I the just... debate with Hillary when he seemed like he was like five times the size of her. That's because he, he was, was like prowling around her like a freaking psycho. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that movie would be good. Whoever does it. See, I think Don Don Trump Jr. is the Oscar part. The Oscar. That's the supporting oh, oh, right. supporting actor Oscar. Don well, Trump we'll see Jr. how it Pull ends. That out. He's got to have a real pathetic meltdown at the end, I think, to really bring the award home. He's got to just turn into a blubbering fool on the stand, and then you, then you get your award. You got to cry on so the stand. Keep an eye on this. Yeah. I don't want you to lose out on an easy Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> Jason Bateman, this was fun. Thank you. Thanks, Bill. <laughs> 